0: save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an ac pro recharge kit today be a pro with ac pro
1: hey this is Riley green and you're listening to the road to detroit podcast
0: you're on the road to detroit the podcast here's your host
1: dan hastie
0: Road to Detroit podcast episode four is live. Hello, everybody. Glad to have you along with us for the fourth edition of Road to Detroit. We are on location this week as we are recording from Dayton, Ohio. The West Michigan Whitecaps are in town to play the Dayton Dragons. And we are checking out the Whitecaps here this week. It is a Whitecaps-centric version of Road to Detroit. We are going to delve in everything that is the West Michigan Whitecaps Class A. They are the low A affiliate of the Detroit Tigers. And coming up in the following shows, we'll slowly climb that ladder towards Detroit. Coming up in our next edition, we'll hit Lakeland. After that, it's the Seawolves and Toledo Mudhens you understand how this works we've got a lot coming up here on the road to Detroit coming up later on in this episode Lance Parrish the manager of the West Michigan Whitecaps will join us and coming up in just a little bit Parker Meadows the Tigers number seven prospect who we're actually watching currently take batting practice right now down in the field he'll join us here on the road to Detroit let's get on that on-ramp A couple of honors being taken home by some Tigers minor leaguers. Victor Reyes, who was the number one pick in the Rule 5 draft a couple of years ago, named the International League's Player of the Week. He had two games that were off the charts. that really helped him coast to this victory, but when you hit four homers and drive in 11 runs in two games, yeah, you're going to have a pretty good shot at a player of the week. Victor Reyes is actually tapping into a little bit of power here in the minor leagues. It took a little while, but Victor Reyes checks out with a batting average over 280, but with nearly double-digit home runs, one of the highest numbers throughout the Tigers system. So congratulations to Victor Reyes, also from the Toledo Mudhens. Their pitching coach deserves some congratulations Juan nievis was added as the pitching coach for the futures game that one coming up in cleveland ohio where they'll have the all-star festivities coming up in july jim tomey someone the tigers fans know way too well will end up coaching the american league version of the futures team he'll coach the american league side the national league side will be coached by Dennis Martinez, former Major League pitcher, but Jim Tomey's on the American League side, and he asked Juan Nieves, the pitching coach in AAA Toledo, to come on and serve as his pitching coach. This year, the Futures game's going to have a little bit of a different look to it. Instead of playing nine innings, they will play seven innings, and instead of having a format of U.S. versus the world, that's what's been done in recent years, they'll play it as American League versus National League. In past years, you could have teammates of the same minor league teams go up against each other, but now with a- AL versus NL, guys who are familiar with one another will be able to stay in those dugouts with their teammates. A couple other signings were announced due to the MLB draft last week, so some new additions to the Tigers system, certainly ones that we have been expecting. Tigers' second-round pick, Nick Quintana, we talked a little bit about him on the Road to Detroit podcast last week he tweeted out that he signed his contract and the tigers confirmed that they had signed nick quintana so congratulations to nick he is now officially a detroit tiger we'll see exactly where nick quintana is placed in the system but i wouldn't be surprised if they moved him a little more aggressively considering how advanced of a player he is certainly a successful college career as an arizona wildcat the third baseman andre Lipsius out of tennessee has signed as well so the top three picks are already in the fold from the Tigers as they've signed all three to their professional contracts. Good stuff as now the first three picks in the Tigers' 2019 draft are officially in the fold. And now they'll report to wherever the Tigers send them, and they'll be officially on their road to Detroit. We start with Toledo. The Mud Hens swept Columbus in a three-game series before going to Indianapolis and playing one of those rare five-game series. They had a doubleheader mixed in there. And the Mudhens won three out of those five games. The pitching staff was really good for Toledo. They held Indianapolis to less than two runs in four of those five contests. Also, congratulations to Dustin Peterson, Tigers prospect, who the Tigers claimed from Atlanta off of waivers before this season. Dustin Peterson had a good week. He was named to the MLB Pipeline Prospect Team of the Week peterson was in the running for last week's best in class this past week he had a home run that was his fifth home run in the month of june he's been awesome his last 10 games he's at 417 dustin peterson the 24 year old outfielder from phoenix it's been some of the best baseball in the career of dustin peterson and he ends up making the mlb pipeline prospect team of the week but dustin peterson has certainly led the way and he's a big reason that the toledo mud hens won three of five at indianapolis last weekend Off to Erie. Over the weekend against Trenton, the Erie Seawolves won two out of three. Big reason for that, they were led by you-know-who, Casey Mize and Matt Manning, who each delivered victories for the Seawolves on the mound. Casey Mize was a starting pitcher on Friday as the Seawolves beat Trenton by a score of 6-1. to Casey Mize got another victory. He's now 6-0 and with the Seawolves, a 1.27 ERA. Just seems like Casey's rolling out of bed right now, throwing five innings of one-run baseball. Six hits, one walk, eight strikeouts for the talented right-hander and the number one pick in last year's draft. Just 22 years old. Overall this year, eight and zero. An ERA of 0.95. Here's some of the updated numbers on Casey Mize. It never gets old looking at the numbers for Casey. 75 and two-thirds innings, just 41 hits. Are you serious? A 159 batting average against his walks plus hits per innings are less than 0.7. That means he's barely putting on a runner per inning 73 strikeouts in those 75 and two-thirds innings i have a buddy that actually put casey mize on his team in fantasy baseball and when i texted him to talk about it he had just said man those numbers and you can't argue against that level of production casey mize has been leading the way for the Erie seawolves somebody else who's certainly been helping out is matt manning he's had a really good year and in a way, we don't talk about Manning enough. He ended up helping the Seawolves beat Trenton 3-2 to on Saturday. But Manning is really having a good year. Six innings of two-run baseball. The two runs he gave up were unearned. He walked two and struck out eight. His ERA now sits at 2.14. He's been really good this year and a lot of strikeouts to go along with it. A lot of scouts look at strikeout totals, and that means a lot to guys who evaluate talent And Manning certainly checks those boxes. 88 punch-outs in 71 and a third innings. His ERA has actually gotten lower every level of the minor leagues he's gone up. So go back to 2017. He starts in West Michigan. He has an ERA of 560. Then he comes back to West Michigan the following year, and he drops it to 340. Then he goes to Lakeland. That ERA drops even farther. Now instead of 340, it's down to 298. This year in Erie, he's down to 214, so clearly, and again, these numbers usually don't get better the higher you go, but when you have the talent like Matt Manning does, certainly understandable to see how he's able to learn on the fly, figure things out, and he's maturing right before our very eyes. Matt Manning's still just 21 years old. He and Casey Mize have helped form a very impressive front end of the Erie Seawolves rotation. That's Erie. We're off to Lakeland. The Lakeland Flying Tigers had some decent success this past week. They ended up winning three out of four against Palm Beach before beating St. Lucie by scores of 2 to nothing and 8-2. to two. In that 2 nothing victory last Friday, Tarek Skubel, the Tigers' number 17 prospect, was outstanding. Six scoreless innings with eight strikeouts for the left-hander from Seattle. Meanwhile, Dylan Rosa, a former Tigers draftee out of Kent State, hit a two-run home run in that ballgame. On Monday, Lakeland lost to Daytona by a score of 4-3. The pitcher, Tom DeBlock, the native of the Netherlands, ended up going five and two-thirds innings of seven strikeout one-run baseball. He pitched well for the Lakeland Flying Tigers, albeit in a losing cause as Lakeland loses to Daytona by a final score of 4-3 in ten innings. It's been a tough week for the West Michigan Whitecaps. They have dropped seven games in a row to bring their record to 24 games under the 500 mark. They're finishing out the first half. We are here in Dayton, Ohio, as we speak, as we record this. But a couple of bright spots. Wenzel Perez, the Tigers' number 11 prospect, according to Baseball America, has shown some flashes at the plate. He's starting to pick things up offensively, hitting about 350 in the course of his last 10 games. The Tigers shortstop has always been regarded as a good offensive player. It was a bit of a slow start for Perez, but he's finally starting to get things back under control and putting up some numbers that we saw him produce last season in West Michigan when he hit over 300 in a final handful of games to finish out the season with West Michigan. Another player to keep our eyes on in West Michigan is the 20-year-old Sam McMillan, the fifth-rounder that the Tigers drafted out of high school back in 2017. McMillan at the plate this year, hitting under 240, but he walks just as much as he strikes out, literally. 31 walks to 31 strikeouts. His on-base percentage is at .406. That's actually a little bit lower than it's been in recent weeks, but Sam McMillan has been getting on base on an outstanding clip this year. As a matter of fact, he doesn't have quite enough at bats plate appearances to qualify for the league leaders but if he was able to qualify and he's just short he would have the second highest on-base percentage in the Midwest League at four zero six only one other player has a higher on-base percentage than Sam McMillan that's the on-ramp the 0-1 swaying a soft fly ball right field so dives he makes the catch tagging his Policelli, throw to the plate not in time and the West Michigan Whitecaps are playoff bound! So this is our West Michigan Whitecaps-centric version of the Road to Detroit podcast, because we get to start finally honing in on specific levels. We get to look at specific players, and rather than go kind of gloss over what everybody's doing, we can look a little bit deeper. And on most shows where we don't have the kind of time to go into every single player's intricacies, Here on these team-centric podcasts, we can look a little bit deeper at some certain prospects. Manager Lance Parrish will join us in just a little bit. As will outfielder Parker Meadows, the Tigers' number seven prospect, according to MLB Pipeline. But we talked about this in the on-ramp. It has been a struggle for West Michigan in 2019. As we talk to you right here, right now, the Whitecaps are 24 games under the 500 mark yikes that's tough for a young ball player to have to deal with because usually by the time guys get to west michigan they've had outstanding high school careers or careers internationally but typically they don't struggle by this point now it's when you get to west michigan that guys start to get humbled a little bit and we see the batting averages come down and you know when you've always been the best player on your team whether it's the best pitcher or the best hitter This can be an adjustment for some guys. And we've seen some talented young players have some struggles in West Michigan over the course of 2019. Parker Meadows, who we'll talk to in a little bit, he's had a slow start offensively. You do see all the talent and athleticism that he has. And it's just a learning curve. Guys that come from high school take a little bit longer. But Parker Meadows, five for his last 14 at the plate. The only all-star in West Michigan, Ulrich Boyarski. He's led the Whitecaps in... Batting average, home runs, runs batted in, and peppering the leaderboard for West Michigan. Wenzel Perez, the shortstop and number 11 prospect for the Tigers. He's hitting just a tick over two hundred twenty this year but the batting average is starting to tick up 350 in his last 10 ballgames and having watched him every single day the contact at the plate is getting significantly harder for Wenzel Perez so there's something to keep an eye on because last year Wenzel Perez hit over 300 with West Michigan this year it's been a bit of a different story pitchers have started to adjust to him and that's how it works at this level guys will adjust to you and start to kind of make you learn on the fly and have to figure some things out so Wenzel Perez is finally starting to kick things into gear. But, you know, Jim Leland always said it. Your best players need to be your best players. And while the Whitecaps have had a couple of surprises this year... The Whitecaps will be leaning heavily on Parker Meadows and Wenzel Perez to help them clinch a playoff spot in the second half of the 2019 season. Lance Parrish is the manager. He helped his Whitecaps team sneak into the playoffs on the final day of the 2018 regular season. An emotional 10-inning victory over the Fort Wayne Tincaps that got the Whitecaps into the postseason for the fifth straight year as the Caps were celebrating their 25th year of affiliation with the Detroit Tigers. It's the longest affiliation in all of the Midwest League and one of the longer affiliations in all of minor league baseball. They do it right in West Michigan, a top-notch staff that has been Nothing but supportive of these guys ever since the Whitecaps started back in 1994. Did you know that the West Michigan Whitecaps were not always associated with the Detroit Tigers? Actually, when they started as a franchise, they were affiliated with the Oakland Athletics for a couple of seasons before becoming a Tigers affiliate in 1997. That was the year they had names like Robert Fick and Dave Borkowski. Long story short, they won a lot of games. The winningest season in Whitecaps history, even to this day, came with that 1997 team. They won 92 games and lost just 39. So that was a heck of a way to start out the affiliation with West Michigan and Detroit. The Whitecaps are based out of just outside of downtown Grand Rapids, Comstock Park, Michigan. They play in a pitcher's ballpark, very pitcher-friendly ballpark. There's a lot of room in the gaps. And if you have a fast outfield, you can track down a lot of baseballs in the gaps. What park does that remind you of in the Tigers system? And I think when you look at the outfield in West Michigan, you see the similarities and how guys are going to have to navigate through a very deep outfield and have lots and lots of ground to cover in West Michigan, just like they do in Detroit. But how do you deal as a player, as a manager, as a team when the wins aren't coming your way? We'll talk to Parker Meadows and Lance Parrish about that and find out their perspective on what the season has been like when things haven't gone exactly according to plan. It's all in this edition of our Road to Detroit podcast and our look at West Michigan. The Road to Detroit podcast continues. We talk with Parker Meadows, Detroit Tigers' number seven prospect, according to MLB Pipeline, now in his first full affiliation with West Michigan, now learning the grind of the 140-game schedule. Parker, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me, Dan. So have you finally adjusted to life in West Michigan?
2: Uh, to life in West Michigan, yeah, um, it's it's fun. Um, West Michigan's a good place to play. This minor league life is, is really fun for me, just being on the road and you know seeing new places, seeing new people, so uh, yeah, it's, it's fun. I know a
0: year ago at this time, you were probably finished with your high school season, but I would assume you're probably still playing on a couple of other teams. But physically, I mean, how are you holding up? I mean, and how much more attention are you having to pay on taking care of yourself?
2: Yeah, I think I'm holding up pretty well uh, Like in the off-season. I really focus on, you know, I told my trainer I wanted to play as many games as possible in the minor leagues. Um, so we really, really worked on, you know, every day just, just getting used to that grind. Um, because, you know, minor leagues, you're playing baseball every single day, and you're going to do, you know, anything you can do to not only, you know, perform in your games, but just stay healthy and play as many games as possible.
0: Did you notice that at the end of last season? Because if I remember correctly, you missed some games at the end of last year. I want to say was that a hamstring
2: injury? The third game of the GCL, um, I had a hamstring injury, so I was out about two weeks, and then got healthy, got called up to uh, Connecticut, and then I had a, a back injury, um, and then I was I was out for about a week with that. But uh, yeah, just uh, kind of getting that first taste of pro baseball. I felt like I wasn't as prepared as I you know should have been. So I figured, uh, you know, talking with my brother and my trainer th- that the uh, in the off season I'm going to work as hard as I can and just to get my body ready for um, the next year.
0: What kind of different things did you do in the offseason to make you feel like you were prepared for this season? Because you knew it was going to be a long season because 140 games is a lot more than you played the year before.
2: Yeah. Um, I didn't really have time to train, I guess you would say, for the, uh, the first year, you know, just, just coming out of high school baseball. Uh, I felt like my body kind of needed a break. I, I guess I just wasn't really used to that playing every single day, especially in that Florida heat. Uh, I think that's really what got me. But, um, yeah, so. Even like for said, you, a Georgia boy? Yeah, that, that Florida <laughs> heat's different, man. I'm telling you, the humidity is, is different. <laughs> it's tough. All right, so I know the
0: record for the team isn't where you want it, but what has stood out to you about being in West Michigan? I know it's certainly a bigger crowd than you've played in front of probably in, in most of your life.
2: I think what stood out to me is uh, our our team chemistry. You know, even though even though we're down, you know, obviously this year. A lot of games under 500, But, uh, you know, we're, we're all positive um, in, the, in the clubhouse. Uh, we know we have the talent and we know, uh, you know, this game is, is crazy and uh, things can change uh, with a snap of a finger. So.
0: Talking to Parker Meadows, you know, we talked to Lance Parrish about you and we're trying to figure out what pitchers are doing to you and then how you can adjust to what those guys are doing. What have you noticed guys are doing to you at the plate this year?
2: Um, I think I've seen... Uh, a lot of off-speed, um, early in counts, and I think that's that's an adjustment that I've made. Uh, step into the box, I kind of had that two-strike approach uh, going into the box with the OO count instead of uh, you know having that fighting mode uh, with two strikes on me. So that's something that I've definitely adjusted to um, in the past couple of games, and I think it's working for me.
0: I said that a big thing for you is learning the strike zone. Now, you are drawing walks this year, 26 walks in 58 games. Would you say you have a better feel for it now than, say, when you started back in April?
2: Oh, for sure. Um, Obviously, the pitching um, is is a lot better than high school, and, and that's another adjustment you have to make. But I feel like I definitely have a better feel of the strike zone.
0: What kind of things are you continuing to learn as we go? Because we're getting to about the halfway point of the West Michigan season, but you kind of find yourself at that point where some guys at the end of the all-star break will find a way to take off. Do you feel like you're starting to go, okay, I'm swinging at better pitches?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, this past series in Bowling Green, I felt like, um, you know, I was seeing some good pitching and I was, I was battling up there. So uh, that, that gave me some confidence carrying, you know, into the all-star break. So hopefully I can carry that on after the all-star break
0: talking to parker meadows you know there are some fond memories of your first home run with west michigan and inside the park homer the 0-1 meadows swings he hits a high fly ball deep center field back goes outman at the warning track he's at the wall leaping up it's off the top of the wall and meadows is steamrolling around second to third he gets the wave on the way home the throw from the cutoff man not in time Parker Meadows' first West Michigan Whitecaps homer is an inside the park home run. A few minutes later, we had people walking to us in the press box and saying, "I'd never seen somebody so fast around the bases. That was crazy." Is it fair to guess that you've had a few other inside the park home runs in your day before your time in West Michigan?
2: Yeah, I had a couple in high school. We had a we had a big no wall idea. and uh, we had a big wall in right center field that kind of angled out, and I. I think I hit that same angle going out twice and it just bounced way, way past the right fielder. I think anybody could have gotten a home run <laughs> inside the park on those, but I'm not going to go there. So,
0: We're talking to Parker Meadows. So
2: now I know your batting
0: average isn't where you want it. We've talked before and you said that the mental game is something that you're still learning as we go. What have you learned so far about this game and how to process it when things aren't going your way?
2: Uh, for me, I just think every day is, is a new day, and it's it's a blessing. So uh, I just let the good days go by, let the bad days go by. You know, playing this game every single day—that's um, something you have to do. You can't you can't focus on the past. You know, every day is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Mm-hmm. Now, i talking to
0: your folks, I mean, i gotten to know your father, Kenny, your mom, Stacy, and those are two people that I know have been a big help for you on the mental side of the game, I'm sure just as much as anything. And of course, we'll get to that other member of your family in just a little bit. But how have they helped you kind of process this? Because this is a new experience for you.
2: Yeah, they've helped me big time in this, uh, whether it's, you know, texting me before or after every single game or coming up to visit me, I think is helping a lot. But yeah, they've helped, for sure, uh, even since I'm, I was a little kid. So that's just something I've always been used to, is them having my back. You know,
0: it's funny you mentioned them coming up to watch you play. You know, some guys say they play really well when their folks are in town, other guys say they don't play well at all. Where do you fall in that spectrum?
2: Uh, I think it's up and down. Uh, I don't, <laughs> I, I'm not a superstitious type of guy, but uh, having them there, I think definitely um, is a big help. Um, for the for the mental side
0: we're talking with Parker Meadows all right obligatory question about your brother Austin Meadows it's well known for Tigers fans he's having an all-star caliber season with the Tampa Bay Rays has he shared with you some of the things that have helped him break out this year and are you using any of those concepts
2: I think uh, just the main thing that he shared with me is uh, just just staying positive, you know, whether you're going good or bad, um, you know, because, like I said, this game is crazy, and you, and you can click just like he's doing right now. Um, you can click any game. Uh, you can you can get it on a hot streak. Like I said, man, this game is crazy.
0: All right, last one for you. We are in Dayton, Ohio, and it's a relatively sunny day. We're actually having this conversation outside. And just in the distance right now, Whitecaps catcher Chris Proctor is working on his tan. I don't think he can hear us right now because he has headphones on, but how do you think it's going for him over there?
2: I think it's going pretty good for him. I think uh, I think his girlfriend's, he's seeing his girlfriend next week uh, over the all-star break, so he's trying to get that tan on, you know. So.
0: Mm-hmm. That's smart. <laughs> That's preparation at a high level right there. Yeah. Parker, continued mental and physical maturation here at this level. It's never easy. We've always said it a million times. When it clicks, everybody's going to know when Parker Meadows finally figures out some of those lessons here in the Midwest League. Parker, thanks so much again for joining us, and good luck the rest of the season.
2: Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it.
0: Parker Meadows right here on the road. Detroit as the road to Detroit podcast continues it's now time for this week's best in class from all the Tigers prospects within the system this player made the most noise over the course of the past week this week's best in class award goes to Detroit Tigers number 17 prospect Tarek Skubel the Tigers ninth round pick From Seattle in last year's draft has been stellar with the Lakeland Flying Tigers. In his last start against St. Lucie, Tarek wins six innings of scoreless baseball, allowed just two hits and two walks. He struck out eight as Lakeland beats St. Lucie by a score of two to nothing in a game played back on June 7th. Scoobles' numbers have been great this year. In 61 and a third innings, Scoobal has struck out 72. Opponents are hitting just 205 against him. He's given up just 46 hits in 61 and a third innings good way to measure that is if you're giving up less than a base hit per inning you're doing something right and so far Tarek Skubal has just 46 hits against those 61 and a third innings 16 walks on the year his control has been great a couple starts this year two different times in which Skubal has struck out double digit batters the 22 year old from Hayward California has been outstanding for the Flying Tigers He is continuing to state his case at the top of the Lakeland Flying Tigers rotation. He's been outstanding. Tarek Skubel is this week's winner of Best in Class. Also, let's give an honorable mention out. Honorable mention this week goes to Erie Seawolves infielder Sergio Alcantara who hit almost 400 this past week with the Erie Seawolves. Seven hits, five walks in six games. He was getting on base a ton for the Erie Seawolves. We always known he's a really good defensive shortstop. That was the book on him when the Tigers acquired him from the Arizona Diamondbacks a couple of seasons ago. But the bat has always been the question of will it catch up? Well, this week it's been outstanding. Overall numbers on this season for Al the 22-year-old from Santo Domingo in the Dominican Republic. Has a home run and 12 runs batted in. But he is drawing walks, 22 walks in 48 games. He's hitting just .233, but a .335 on-base percentage. Sergio Alcantara is our honorable mention for this week's Best in Class. The Road to Detroit podcast continues as we continue along our West Michigan Whitecap-centric podcast here this week, we talked to the manager, Lance Parrish in West Michigan. Lance, first of all, it's great to talk to you. It's cool to have somebody who is so tied in with the history of the Tigers organization here in West Michigan, being able to, to lead this group of young players. So again, it's never a bad thing to see you.
1: Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's been a fun journey for me. I mean, from my very first days in the minor leagues which, you know, really helps me to identify with what these guys are going through and uh, eventually getting to the major leagues and then getting into coaching. It's uh, It's been a fun ride. You know, you have your ups and downs. Obviously, we're going through a tough stretch right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a lot of young players. And as I've mentioned before, you know, the object is to get people better and move them up the ladder. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get players funneled from the lower levels up to us. And it's just a constant... Uh, process of you know Starting over with guys and starting over with guys and every once in a while we get a a couple blue chippers in there that uh, Really make a statement and uh, look like they're much more advanced and and that's a good thing But you know right now we're we're struggling as a team and we're struggling From one end to the other as everybody probably realizes, but uh, you know sometimes it works out that way and really for me It's not such a big deal. I try not to judge anybody uh, my first few years in the minor leagues were not anything to remember, to be honest with you. I, uh, I struggled quite a bit myself. So I know that you know, these guys are capable of turning things around. And we, you know, our objective as a coaching staff is just to try to stay positive and keep working and keep doing the things that we know are gonna help our players get better. Uh, we've been fortunate to move some guys up the ladder already. And um, again, that's what it's all about. Uh, but right now, we need to come together more as a team and be a little bit more efficient and uh, do things that are going to help us win ball games, basically. Uh, we We probably make too many mistakes. Uh, I think it's safe to say that we've uh, given away more games than uh, the teams have actually beat us, that we've played. And, uh, you know, that's all part of the learning process. I understand that. You know, it'd be awesome if we could come out here and never make a mistake mm-hmm. and do everything you're supposed to do. But that's being unrealistic, obviously. And, uh, uh, you know, we just go out and, and learn from our mistakes, hopefully, and, and, and keep trying to get better. You know, the great thing about the Midwest League is that there's two halves. Yeah. So regardless of how we finish this first half, and we have absolutely no chance of getting in the playoffs, uh, as I'm sure everybody realizes, but, you know, come uh, come the start of the second half, we get to start with a clean slate, and, and we have an opportunity, just like we did last year, of, uh, you know, playing hopefully better in the second half and have an opportunity to get in the playoffs.
0: I mean, the Whitecaps are a year removed from having made the playoffs on the last day of 2018, just a dramatic last moment, last inning, last pitch walk-off to end the season and make the playoffs And now this season, as we sit here today, the Whitecaps hold a record of 24 games under the 500 mark. So is the challenge of developing players more difficult when the team is struggling to an extent like this?
1: Well, the challenge is is to keep everybody's energy at a high level. You know, you you have a tendency when things aren't going bad, uh, you know, I could just see the energy being sucked right out of our team every day we go out there when we get behind. And uh, obviously that's my job and it's our coaching staff's job to try to prevent that from happening. You know, regardless of if, if we win or lose, and, and everybody likes to win, there's no question about that. But we have to play the game at a high level of energy and, uh, and just compete and compete for nine innings. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's easy for teams that have a, a, a great ball club to feed off of one another. And, and for me, that's really what winning is all about. You get a nucleus of guys that are playing well, that show good leadership skills. They pull everybody right along with them. And uh, occasionally that has a tendency to uplift the other person's game, the other player's game. So we're looking for a few guys to step up. We've got some guys that show signs of it. Ulrich has been a blessing for us the whole season. He's all right, Belyarski. Yeah. And um, we're looking for a few guys to rally behind him. And if we, you know, you start with one, then a couple more guys join in, and a couple more after that, and before you know it, you're hitting on more cylinders than not, and that's really what we're looking for.
0: You mentioned Ulrich Boyarski. You know, he leads this offense in West Michigan in just about every major category. You also had him here, albeit for kind of a short period of time last year, but he's clearly made strides from that point to now. What do you see?
1: Well, it was obvious to me last year that he was uh, just very raw, um, talent wise. I mean, you could see when he took batting practice that he had uh, above average power, above average strength. His mechanics were a little out of kilter. And, uh, you know, the, one of the more difficult things when you're working with young hitters is to try to get them to buy in to what's going to make them successful. I mean, we've looked at more videos and I've, I've had our uh, video coordinator print out pictures that uh, you know, we can show guys as to what you're supposed to look like mechanically at the point of contact. We've talked about you know, a lot of different things. But it's a, a situation where you know, guys, I think, just are you – know, it's what – they're doing what they did all the way up to this point or all the way up until they were drafted that made them successful, and they just don't want to let that go. But you have to realize when you get into professional baseball that everybody that you face as a hitter or a pitcher is as good as the best players you faced when you were at the college level or the high school level. So you have to make an adjustment. You have to do something different. They don't make as many mistakes. Uh, pitchers don't. Um, and especially the higher you go, it, it's even more consistent. There, they just becomes more difficult. So, you know, we talk about... Different things as as, uh, a plan for hitting, and we talk about different things as a plan for pitching. Most important thing for pitchers is they just have to believe in their stuff and execute. I realize at times, whether you're a hitter or a pitcher, the game can speed up on you. You try to do things, you want to do things so badly that, you know, everything starts speeding up. And when that happens, you just pretty much fall flat on your face. Uh, The one big thing that you have to be able to do in this game is to control your emotions just go out there. Uh, everybody likes to play with, with energy and, and have those butterflies in your stomach because you, you want to do well. But you have to be able to command that and control that and go out there and just be efficient and do the job that's expected of you. Um, the best thing that somebody could come up to me and say when they're out on the, is that you know they block everything out. They don't hear the people in the stands. They're not aware of any situation. They just focus on what they need to do. To me, that's somebody that's that's getting it. That, that you know, you have to be able to eliminate all the distractions um, around you and just concentrate on what you're really trying to do. Uh, and it, everybody can't do that. Obviously, you know, you think of all the people that have signed a baseball contract and how many of those actually make it to the major leagues or even make it and stay there for any length of time, and it's a very very slim number. So even though we harp on it, we realize that it's not going to happen for everybody. I mean, I believe in everybody here. If they didn't have the talent to be here, they wouldn't be here. But it's, you know, you have to keep taking that next step and that next step and that next step in order to, to find your way to where you really want to be, and that's in Detroit.
0: We're talking with Lance Parrish. You know, you talk about the importance of getting guys to buy in, whether it's as a pitcher or as a hitter, you know, how much of a trick is that for guys? You mentioned they've been doing it one way their entire career, and it's gotten them to this point. But what are the tricks associated with getting somebody to really believe that a different way might benefit them more than the way they had it before they got here?
1: Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer that you know, obviously, there's a lot of teaching involved. There's a lot of a lot of conversation. I mean, uh, um, you have to you have to get somebody to trust you and to believe in you and believe in what you're saying. For them to even try it, mm-hmm. um, obviously there's a lot of drills that we do, whether pitching or hitting. Um, again, we have the uh, the ability to show video from just about anybody that ever played this game nowadays. We've got more analytics um, material involved in the game now than than ever before, and and it's going to keep progressing in that direction I mean analytics is a big part of baseball right now and it's here to stay Uh, the great thing about it is it shows you uh, mechanically uh, statistically tendency wise what you know you should be doing what everybody else is doing um, you know not only to help you personally but to help you as a team so we've got a ton of information that we try to uh to help guys with, and if there's any questions, we can go right to the computer, we can go right to the analytics charts, we can do whatever we want to, the video, and and just try to show them, try to convince them that look it, this guy's doing it, this guy's doing it, this guy's doing it, and they're all very successful. There's gotta be a reason why they're successful. You know, If they're doing it and they're successful and everybody else pretty much is in the same boat, there's gotta be something to that. So there is a formula for success, I do believe that. And we just have to get guys to appreciate that for what it is and, and again, to buy into it.
0: I'm glad you brought up the analytics side because, you know, you played for a long time and now you're over a decade into your time as a manager. I'm guessing that analytics is probably the biggest way that your job has changed since back when you started over a decade ago. Is it that? Is there some other things that have also changed since the time when you started?
1: Well, that, there's no question that that, In itself is the is the i guess biggest adjustment we've all had to make um once it came onto the scene and it's done nothing but grow since then is uh something that we all have to obviously accept and uh, understand and try to gain more and more knowledge about uh you know and and all it is it's a tool Mm -hmm. you know whatever area whatever you know particular part of it you look at it's all a tool to try to help again, you as an individual to get better or uh, you as a team to get better. Um, you know, they've got graphs and uh, data and, and, you know, you can go on the computer and, and just follow your swing. When they put the what they – we have a what they call a K-vest that everybody wears, pitchers and hitters, and it, it mimics your exact motion through your delivery as a pitcher or through your swing from start to finish as a hitter. You can see the, the path of your bat, you can see your entire motion as a pitcher, where your arm angle is, you know. And, and again, um, alongside of that, they have graphs that show you um, where your energy transfers. You know? and, and as we've learned, your energy should transfer from the ground up and just build momentum until you actually throw the ball or you actually swing the bat. So if any of those things are out of sync. It's like okay, here's where we need to focus on. Here's what we need to work on. And it is very helpful. I mean, it, it helps to give uh, pitchers and hitters both a better understanding of where they're at mechanically. And uh, again, there is a right way and a wrong way to do things. And that that helps us uh, a lot in trying to uh, try to help them, and and also helps us understand where they're at uh, individually.
0: You know, we talked about adjusting and buying in, and some guys on this roster are still teenagers. Parker Meadows is one of those guys. Been a slow start for him this year, 220 as we sit here, but five for his last 14. What are opposing pitchers doing to him, and what are some ways that he can continue to adjust?
1: For lack of a better way to explain it, he just uh, needs to learn the strike zone a little bit better. He needs to be more aggressive with balls in the strike zone. He has a tendency to chase balls out of the strike zone, which we've all been through if we've, you know, if we've played the game.
0: You've never done that, though, obviously. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I did that a lot. And, uh, and you know, consequently, that's why I struggled my first three years in the minor leagues. I mean, I was not a good hitter in the minor leagues until my last year. I peaked at the right time. But, uh, you know, I went through the same struggles he's going through. And I, and I imagine I mean, there are those exceptions of guys that just come onto the scene and are great hitters. But, you know, I came right out of high school just like he did. And uh, I got a steady diet of breaking balls, and, and I could not stop myself from pulling off of those breaking balls. So, you know, again, I had to make an adjustment to try to counter that. As we all know, it's a game of adjustments. You do one thing, they're gonna try to do another. If you make an adjustment to that, then they're gonna make an adjustment to your adjustment. So you have to constantly be on your toes and thinking about what's going on. And, and I think, you know, Parker's tremendously talented. He's a very gifted athlete. And I know he's gonna get it sooner or later. You know, it's a frustrating time for him right now, but, you know, the great thing about mistakes is that you have an opportunity to learn from them. It's what makes you better. If nobody ever made any mistakes, you would never you would never learn anything. So I think it's giving him an opportunity to get a better understanding of the game, better understanding of how guys are going to pitch him at this level and, and every level up, uh, an understanding that, you know, it's hard enough to hit a strike, let alone a ball out of the zone. And... Um, we want hitters to be aggressive, but we need hitters to be aggressive in the strike zone. Um, they have to swing at, at good pitches. Uh, balance is another thing. You know, you, they have to be able to control their weight and their balance at the plate. Um, so there's a lot of mechanics involved. I, I don't want to go through all of them, but you know, it's just that you know he right now is is in the figuring out stage, and uh, you know you might look at him and go, well, he's not having a very good year." Well, you know, for me, it's just part of the learning process. You know, I don't really think that the Tigers are, you know would be all that enthralled with the fact that, you know, he was uh, uh, an MVP at this level. What they're concerned about is what is he going to contribute once he gets to Detroit? You know, everybody takes a different path there. Uh, Whether he struggles a little bit right now and just gains momentum as he moves up, for me, that's that's success, and uh, really that's what we're looking for.
0: I think those hitting principles probably apply to Wenzel Perez, the other 19-year-old we were going to mention as well. Defensively, 17 errors through 55 games, and – You know, people like to refer to him as the potential Tiger shortstop of the future. So you look at the fielding numbers, but then you watch him every single day and you see him with the ability to make plays on tough balls hit to him. It's been the ball that's been hit right to him that has seemingly given him some trouble. Do you see it that way or do you see it any differently with him?
1: Well, I see it both ways. Uh, You know, obviously I see the the balls that you're talking about that are hit right at him. You think, okay, that's a routine play and then boop, you know, he boots it. Um, for me, it's just, it's concentration. You know, when when you're out on the field, it's, you're, 100% of your concentration has to go into what you're doing, uh, anticipating the ball coming to you, what you're going to do with it once you get it. Um, you know, he has a tendency to maybe relax a little bit too much. And again, I will attribute that to his youth. Uh, you know, we're constantly on him about it. When you go out there, you got to be the leader of the infield. You got to stay focused. You got to concentrate. Um, he's made some amazing plays, but again, it's the plays that he should make that kind of baffle you. It's like, okay, that was just a routine ball. He should have caught that. And, you know, I've seen guys in the big leagues do the same thing, so it's really no different. But as, as part of the consistency factor, he just needs to become more focused um, all the time while he's out there and not allow himself to fall into lapses where he's daydreaming about something and he doesn't react the way he should react or... Or approach a ball the way you should approach a ball and again that's part of you know the coaching aspect of it you know i hate to keep getting on guys but you know that's really the only way that you learn it's for somebody to be in your ear all the time and tell you hey you know right there this is what i saw right there this is what you need to do and uh you know i I would imagine that you know based on my own experience i used to get tired of hearing that so it, it made me focus more because i didn't want to come back to the dugout and have my manager, my coach in my ear about what I didn't do or should have done. So, you know, hopefully he's progressing to that point.
0: Here on the Road to Detroit podcast, talking with West Michigan Whitecaps manager Lance Parrish. You know, this time of year, last season, we were looking at the draft, or at least maybe guys like us where I don't know if you were too much, but you got a huge amount of help last year from the Tigers draft class. Guys like Cody Clemens and Brock Detheridge. Tarek Skubel was even here for a little while, and now he's having success up in Lakeland. So how big of an impact could this year's draft class have on you guys?
1: Well, it could have a huge impact, you know. but it really depends on who they decide to send our way. I mean, I paid attention to the draft. I saw that they drafted an awful lot of college guys. You know, We need, I think in this system right now, guys that are more advanced so that we can expedite the building process of our minor leagues. It's always nice to go out and get a high school kid, which we did, obviously, uh, our first-round pick, who's very talented. But uh, to fill out the rest of our system, we need guys that are ready to be able to play at this level or the next level up, or it won't take them long to get to the places that they need to go. So I think they did themselves a huge favor by going out and signing uh, more mature guys, more advanced guys, guys that are ready to play. Um, I haven't seen any of them, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking forward to whoever comes our way because, you know, we definitely need a little bit of a boost here.
0: Talking with Lance Parrish, your job title is different now than it was, say, 30 years ago. But you still get to work with guys like Alan Trammell, guys like Kirk Gibson, the 1984 Detroit Tigers, the World Series champs. And now Alan Trammell is here making his way to West Michigan and throughout the minor league system as an instructor. We see him a number of times over the course of the year. We'll see Kirk Gibson every so often. So you're always kind of seeing the guys that you worked with like 30 years ago, one way or another, I guess it's a good thing that you guys all get along with one another because typically guys don't get to see their coworkers three decades later.
1: Well, that's true. You know, we do get along. That's the great thing. The other great part about it is that we all came up through our system. Tram and I were drafted out of high school. Gibby came along a little bit later out of Michigan State. Uh, Tram and I played together in the minor leagues. I didn't get to play with Gibby. Played with Jack in the minor leagues, Petrie in the minor leagues. A lot of guys, core group uh, of that 84 team, all played together at the minor league level. It's uh, it's great to be able to have them come through because I know that based on my own experience, we were taught the right way to play the game. Uh, we all learned under Sparky Anderson and his staff. I think Sparky had a tremendous gift for um, passing on information and, and in the right way of... Uh, expressing how we were expected to play the game, how we were supposed to play the game, what would make us successful. Uh, I'm sure it wasn't always easy, but, you know, he hammered that into us throughout our entire career that we played together. And uh, I think, you know, we all benefited from it. And uh, really the only reason that, uh, you know, I think a lot of us choose to stay in the game is to be able to pass that information along because it is so helpful and and everybody needs... uh, A pat on the back and a little instruction from time to time. And uh, I think that we were given uh, a gift by Sparky, actually, on uh, how to play winning baseball, how to be successful at this game, how to carry yourself the right way on and off the field, you know, an awful lot. So uh, it's nice to be able to have those guys come through and reinforce the things that I say and vice versa. Um, I know that we all think along the same lines, maybe a little differently in some areas, but uh, the fact of the matter is, Kirk Gibson was a great baseball player. So was Alan Trammell, Jack Morse, all those guys. So it's nice to have them have input into whatever the Tigers are doing nowadays. And, and it's nice that they let us have that input. So we're hopefully, uh, you know, we're hopefully in a position where we can help in the development of some of these young players. And, and again, uh, I'm just thankful to be able to have the opportunity to pass that information along.
0: We know that you revere Alan Trammell as the player, but what's Alan Trammell the coach like? I mean, you get to see him work with all these young guys, and obviously you've served on staffs with Alan Trammell in the past.
1: Well, the great thing about Tram is that he loves what he does. He loves to be on the field. He loves to be in uniform. He loves to be out there and instruct. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that can sit back and watch, but uh, more than anything, he loves to be out Mixing it up with the guys and, and uh, being a help to them, you know, trying to show them the right way to do whatever it is he's teaching them to do, whether it be, you know, hitting, uh, you know, their approaches and hitting. Most of the time nowadays, it's with, you know, the work that he does with the infielders. And uh, maybe on occasion, just talk about, you know, baseball in general, you know, the right and wrong way to play the game and, and what the expectations are. You know, I appreciate the fact that he has a willingness and a desire to do that. He still loves to do it. Um, You know, uh, again, I have a great relationship with him, and it's it's nice to be able to, when batting practice is over and we have some free time to sit in my office or sit wherever and just, you know, hash out things uh, involving the game because he is full of a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, and, and he's a true student of the game. You know, we always used to make fun of him when we were playing with him because he was like a, a walking sports almanac. He knew everything about everything. You know, it's, it's, really? it's kind of funny now that you could ask him questions about anybody in basketball or football or, you know, and he, knows, he knows everything. I mean, I I mean, I say that in jest. I mean, I know he didn't know everything, but it's, I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed with somebody asking him a question, and it's like, bam, he just comes up with the answer that nobody else has. But I remember back in the day when everybody else would be, you know, watching TV or just playing cards or whatever on the on the uh, on the airplanes, he'd be reading the sporting news or Sports Illustrated, and he'd read every article from cover to cover. And he, again, he just he loves it. He he sleeps and and breathes it. And uh, you know, it's nice to have a guy like that around. Uh, he's he's just a, a, a fun guy to be with.
0: I got to tell you, now that you mentioned that, all I can think about is Alan Trammell reading an edition of Sports Illustrated with Alan Trammell on the cover, standing next to Lou Whitaker. Lance, I, again, appreciate you taking the time with us. You know, one of the true gentlemen of this game and in this Tiger system, Lance Parrish, joining us here on the Road to Detroit
1: podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. Always my pleasure. Anytime
0: it's the road ahead it's a look at everything that is to come this week for the tigers minor league system obviously we're still waiting on some all-star nominations class a west michigan and Advanced Day, Lakeland both had their All-Stars announced. West Michigan is sending outfielder Ulrich Boyarski, while Lakeland is sending outfielder Luke Birch, who's now in Erie, so he won't actually attend the game. But infielder Brady Poliselli and Tarek Skubel, the lefty, is all headed to the All-Star Games. So congratulations to those three. Three very warrants at selections. All three of those guys have had Really good years. But I have to think within the next week or so, we'll probably hear about the Erie Seawolves All Star nominations. We may also hear about the Futures game nominations, and I'll tell you what, if Casey Mize and Matt Manning aren't going to the Futures game, I don't want to watch it, (laughs) because otherwise, what's the point? I mean, if you're pitching as well as Casey Mize and Matt Manning have, and I know Matt Manning did go to the Futures game already in the past, so that might be one reason that Manning doesn't go back, but Casey Mize, he's got to go, right? There's no way that Casey Mize doesn't go to the Futures game this year. We'll probably also find out about the nominations for Triple-A Toledo in the All-Star Game as well. Also looking forward to some of the signings of the additional draft picks throughout the Tigers system. Some players as college seasons just wrapped up. Ryan Creedler, the fourth round pick of the Tigers from UCLA, the shortstop whose season was ended by some certain team in Ann Arbor. He might be available to sign his professional contract sooner than later, but there's also some players whose seasons are still going on. So it won't be everybody hitting the system at the exact same time. There's a few other teams still in the mix for the College World Series, so Tigers ought to be patient on a couple of their draft picks. That's been The Road Ahead, and that's this week's edition of the Road to Detroit podcast. Our thanks to everybody who makes this podcast go and don't forget, as we wrap things up here on Road to Detroit, Episode 4, you can follow along and subscribe so you can make sure you have access to every single Road to Detroit podcast. Search Apple Podcasts, Google, anywhere podcasts are made available. Click subscribe you'll have access to the latest and greatest updates on the Road to Detroit. You can also follow us on Twitter at Road to Detroit. You can follow me as well at ThatDanHasty. Again, that's ThatDanHasty, T H A T d-a-n-h-a-s-t-y follow along with the show follow along with tigers minor leaguers as they ascend up the ladder on their way to comerica park appreciate manager lance Parrish in west michigan and parker meadows for taking some time with us give us a little clue as to what this season has been like and in parker's case the first time he's had a full 140 game season to contend with so a lot of guys still kind of finding their way around in west michigan Our producer is Nate Wangler. Even though he had the week off, we'll thank him. My name is Dan Hasty. again. Thanks so much for listening to this week's edition of the Road to Detroit podcast. Next week, we'll discuss the Lakeland Flying Tigers as we take another step up on the road to Detroit. We'll talk to you next week. For now, that's it, and that's all. We out.